Two weeks ago, President Obama announced his support on the issue of gay marriage. He said that his views on this had been evolving, and as he discussed how it was that he got to the position where he is currently, he referenced the Bible and Christianity and Christian principles. And specifically, he rooted his decision, or at least part of his decision, in the idea that the Bible says that we are supposed to love our neighbor, that the golden rule says we should treat others as we want to be treated. By him discussing this issue, it has brought the issue into the forefront of many conversations. By discussing it in relation to Christianity, the Bible and Christianity have also been pulled into the discussion as well. Now, I am convinced that Sunday morning is not the time to talk about political issues, no matter how deeply we may feel about them. This is a time set aside to meet with God to open his word, and to listen to what he has to say to us. But part of that process is understanding and correcting errant theology. And so what I'd like to do this morning is not discuss the politics related to gay marriage or homosexuality or those sorts of things, but because the president has used as theological rationale the commandment that we are to love one another, I'd like to discuss the theology of that statement. And specifically, I would like to offer that what the president has done in saying that this commandment, that we are to treat our neighbors as we want to be treated, that his use of this commandment highlights one of the most fundamental mistakes that people make when they approach Christianity. And it's that mistake that we're all susceptible to. It's that mistake that I'd like to talk together about this morning. So take your Bible, if you will, and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the rack in front of you or underneath your seat. And in those Bibles, if you turn to page 830, you'll be right where we are this morning. Now, this morning's sermon is a wrap-up, sort of, of our study of the book of Ephesians. The reason why I'm saying it's sort of a wrap-up is for the next several weeks, I will be gone on my study break. And during that time, the people whom God has highlighted to serve in this preaching ministry will not be preaching from the book of Ephesians. However, when I return for the summer, we will be looking at the issue of spiritual warfare and coming back to Ephesians chapter 6. So we're kind of done and kind of not done. But I thought because we are transitioning into the summer and school is wrapping up, that it would be important before I left to do a sermon that sort of closes out the book of Ephesians and our study from this year. And so we're going to look at the very last verse in the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. It's verse number 24. 
Listen, please, as I read it. Ephesians 6, verse 24. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Now the question is, what does this have to do with the fundamental mistake that I believe President Obama was making in his theological rationale for supporting gay marriage? Well, the mistake I think is this. If you come to the Bible and to Christianity, like many people do, thinking that the greatest commandment God has given to humans is to love one another and to treat each other the way we want to be treated. If you come thinking that is the highest and greatest good, well then the place that you end up is whatever society desires, whatever society votes for, Whatever an individual wants, that becomes the norm by which we have to decide how to live our lives. But the reason I think that's a mistake is because while that is the second greatest commandment given to humans, to love our neighbor as ourselves, that it's absolutely essential, absolutely important, that there is no Christianity apart from that command. We must love our neighbor and put their interests above our own. However, there is one command that is greater and more foundational. It's the command that stands behind this verse. Notice Paul says, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. There is no mention of love for neighbor in this verse. Now, clearly, loving neighbor has been all throughout the book of Ephesians. We talked about love sacrificially. There is no Christianity if you don't love your neighbor. But notice that what stands behind this final verse is the greatest commandment God ever gave to humans. And that is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And if we build our theology and our ethics on the second commandment, then it is what society wants or what another individual needs that determines how we behave. But if we root our theology and our ethics in the greatest commandment, which is to love God, then the issue of sin re-enters the discussion. Then suddenly what is now important is not just what my neighbor needs or desires or wants, but now all of that must be subject to what God wants, desires, and needs. You see here in Ephesians 6, Paul says, grace to all who love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. See, the very first thing that God talked about in the beginning of Ephesians was his love for us. The last thing he talks about is our love for him. These are the two great bookends upon which our faith rests, that God loves us 
and that what he most requires from us is that we love him. Everything else is built upon that. If that's not there, you don't have Christianity. Now listen. It's easy to throw stones at politicians and pundits who make this mistake of thinking that the most important thing is what our neighbor needs. But I'm cognizant of the fact that Ephesians 6.24 is a message from God to us today. And so what I'm more interested in doing is not talking about gay marriage and homosexuality and what Washington, D.C. is doing or what's going on in society. I'm more interested in asking the question, what is God saying to Calvary Church this morning to you and I? And if it's true, and it is, that the single greatest commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. And Paul says that grace from God comes upon those who love him with an undying love. The question I want to ask this morning is do we love God that way? Do we love him with an undying love? An undying love. Regardless of what anybody else is out there doing. Regardless of what they're saying. What about you and I? Do we love Christ with an undying love? Do I? Do I love him with an incorruptible love? An unceasing love? A love that is everything to me? Do you love him that way? Do we love Christ with an undying love despite the fact that many of us here enjoy prosperity and comfort and success? The book of Deuteronomy, God warns, be careful. When I begin to bless your life, it's possible that those blessings might cause you to forget me. That suddenly your heart will be turned towards thinking, well, I did all this stuff. This house that I have, well, it's because I worked hard and I saved my money and I paid my mortgage and I did my stuff. The job that we have, we think to ourselves, well, I worked harder in school. My friends were out partying. I did my homework. I did that internship. I have this job because I earned it. We look at our health and we think to ourselves, well, it's because I eat right and I work out. And if other people would take better care of their bodies, they wouldn't go through some of the things that they're going through. And suddenly the blessings of God that came into our life, we start to forget about God and our love grows cold. And we start to think, well, it's because I did it. And God says, did you forget that it, all of this is because Christ died for your sins? That everything you have, you have received from God then what do you have that you have not received? And if you've received it, why are you boasting as if you didn't receive it? Will we love Christ with an undying love despite the fact that many of us live here in comfort and experience prosperity and success? Will we let that cause our love to grow cold? Or we love him with an undying love? Will we love Christ with an undying love when trouble comes? In the book of Job, we are told, should a man not accept good and trouble from the Lord? But do we? Do we allow the troubles in our lives 
to overwhelm our love for God, the suffering, the discipline at God's hands that he allows into our lives. When he does that, do we commit to still love him? When our health begins to fail, if we experience financial ruin, if our children are wayward and have walked away from the faith, if we're going through emotional struggles, if we hear the rebuke of God in our life, do we accept trouble from him? Do we love him with an undying love despite the presence of trouble and suffering in our life? Can God say about us, have you considered my servant Jim, that no matter what you do to him, he's still going to love me? Is that true of us? Or are we more of the what have you done for me lately kind of Christians? Yeah, that cross thing, that was great, but that was a long time ago. What about last week? What'd you give me lately, God? Are we the kind of Christians who say, yeah, come on, bring the blessings. I'll love you. But when trouble comes, I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this. Do we love Christ with an undying love when troubles come and persecution and suffering and discipline? What about in the face of the power of human relationships do we love christ with an undying love when presented with the affections of a beautiful woman or a handsome man solomon began his life loving the lord and we are told that many beautiful women because he loved them they turned his heart from god what about us Do we love Christ with an undying love so much so that that non-Christian that we're dating, we say, I can't have anything to do with this. I can't have anything to do. We love him enough that even though that person might be so attractive and so beautiful and so wonderful, my love is for Christ. There's nothing I can do about this. Do we love him enough to obey his rules for sexual relationship? Despite the power of physical attraction to another person, do we love him enough to keep sex simply where God put it in the marriage relationship between a husband and a wife? Do we love Christ with an undying love when faced with the temptations and draws of an attractive, beautiful, powerful human relationship? Do we love Christ with an undying love so that there is no husband? No wife, no boyfriend, no girlfriend, no son, no daughter, no parent, no friend, no colleague that can turn our hearts away from him. That in the face of the power of human relationships, that our love for Christ is stronger. Do we love him with an undying love in that arena? What about despite the fact that we live in a materialistic world? Jesus tells us no one can serve two masters. He'll either love one and hate the other or despise one and be devoted to the other. No one can love both God and money. And let's face it, the allure of money is strong. The power of money to turn our hearts from God. Are we willing to resist 
the siren call of bigger houses and vacation homes and growing retirement accounts? Do we love Christ with an undying love? When CNBC is constantly squawking about our portfolio or Madison Avenue is telling us how much better our life would be if we just had these possessions or when we walk by the counter and we see the lottery tickets for sale, do we love Christ with an undying love and say, money's not what I want, he's what I want? I mean, let's be honest, this is a powerful draw. Jesus isn't joking when he says money will grab your heart. Do we love him with an undying love in the face of the fact that we live in a materialistic world, obsessed with money? Do we love Christ with an undying love despite the lawlessness in society around us? Jesus says in Matthew 24, 6, because of the rise of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Is he talking about us there? The society around us is filled with evil and things that are antagonistic towards God. We have 50 shades of gray, glee, divorce for any reason, homosexuality like we talked about at the beginning of the sermon, corporate greed. There is any number of things in the society around us. What is right is being called wrong and what is wrong is being called right. In the face of that rising lawlessness, will it turn our hearts to stone? Will our love grow cold or will we continue to love God with an undying love? as it gets harder and harder to stand up for Christ, as it gets harder and harder to stand up to be holy, where people begin to make fun of you for being a fool or being judgmental or prudish, will we say, I don't care. I love Christ. Will we love him with an undying love as society around us gets more and more lawless? Will we love Christ with an undying love when those around us turn away from him? In John 6, Jesus began to give them hard teaching. And many of his followers, it says, they turned back and followed him no more. Jesus looked at Peter and he says, are you leaving too? Peter says, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. But that same Peter, not very much after that, finds himself in a courtyard. And Christ is a distance away on trial and everybody has left him. And the tide has turned. And the people around are asking Peter, are you with him? Three times Peter says, I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know him at all. Remember what Jesus did when he was resurrected from the dead to restore Peter? Three times Peter says, I don't know him. Jesus asks him the same question three times. What does he ask him? Do you love me? Peter did not love Christ with an undying love in that moment. And let's be honest, it's hard to do. It's hard to do when others around us begin to turn away. What about when that college professor says to you, yeah, Christianity, I used to be one of those. And then I realized that it was a crutch for weak-minded fools and begins to give you seemingly convincing arguments for why only fools believe this stuff. Will you continue to love Christ with an undying love in that circumstance? 
Will you love Christ with an undying love when all of your friends who when you were seven years old, you all went to church group together and you went to wow and you participate in children's ministry and now that you're 17, they don't want anything to do with Jesus anymore. Will you still love Christ with an undying love at that moment? When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the world says, wow, that's a tough teaching. That sounds elitist. That sounds judgmental. What do you mean that if I don't believe in Jesus that I would spend eternity separated from him in hell? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem loving. That, that's a tough teaching. Again, let's be honest. It is, isn't it? When he says that, will we still love him? Will we love him with an undying love when he asks us to say things we know are not popular and others turn away? Will we still love him at that moment? What about when we are tempted to doubt God's goodness? Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I'm worried about you. I'm worried that somehow just like Satan turned Eve's heart away from God, so too you might be led away from pure and sincere devotion to God. What did Satan do? He lied to Eve. He said, God's not that good. He doesn't want what's in your best interest. You ought, to, you ought to take what you want. It's the same lie he tells us today. We look at our lives and those depressive thoughts and feelings deep within our soul begin to war against our mind. And they say to us, you're no good. Why would God want anything to do with you? He doesn't even like you. Will we love Christ with an undying love and refuse to believe that lie? When we look at our lives and look back at how they've turned out and say, well, it didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted. I didn't get what I wanted out of life. My career didn't turn out the way that I wanted. My family didn't turn out the way that I wanted. My health didn't turn out the way that I wanted. And Satan whispers in the ear, it's because there is no God. It's because if there is, he doesn't like you. Will we still love Christ with an undying love? When Satan lies to us and tells us that God is not good and that he doesn't love us. And finally, and perhaps toughest of all, will we love God with an undying love after we have served him and labored for him for a long time? Can I show you a passage of scripture? Take your Bible and turn over to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. It's page 867. Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 1. To the angel of the church in what city? Ephesus. This is the same church that Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians to. Same church, 30 years later. 30 years later from Paul's letter, but the same church. This time now Jesus is speaking directly to them, and this is what he says. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. Your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. 
that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. This is a good church. They work hard. They don't give in to false doctrine. They stand for truth. They labor. They persevere. They serve. They're active in the children's ministry, in the parking lot. They're constantly doing the right thing. They're full of good deeds. But there's a problem. Look in verse 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You lost the love you had at first. That somewhere in this great church's history, they moved from being lovers of Christ to being lovers of truth and of hard work and their love for Christ began to diminish. The very last thing Paul left them with, the last statement, he said, grace comes to those who love Christ with an undying love. And somewhere along the way, all that hard work, all that labor, all that fighting for truth in the public square, all the good things that they did robbed them of their love for Christ. This great church who knows the truth, we know they know it. We read all the stuff they've been taught. They know it all. Somehow all that knowledge, all that hard work, all that perseverance crushed their love for Christ. What about us? Will we love Christ with an undying love after we have served him for many years? After we have spent years working in the children's ministry or in the parking lot, perhaps without recognition, perhaps without encouragement, after we have spent time fighting in the public square and arguing for truth and putting all of it on the line, at the end of all of that, will we still love him with an undying love? See, it's easy to throw rocks at politicians and pundits whose theology leads them to make mistakes, but we're doing the same thing. It's easy to forget that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. It's easy to forget that. And so when we look out at people in this world who seem to have forgotten the fundamental commandment, we can at least have mercy because we see that everything in this life is warring against that. That success, comfort, prosperity, troubles, suffering, the discipline of God, human relationships, the materialism of this world, the lawlessness of society, others around us, the lies of Satan, and even our own good works are all battling against our ability to love Christ with an undying love. And so this morning, I'm not as worried about what's going on in Washington, D.C., I'm not as worried about what's going on in the political realm. I'm worried about what God is saying to me this morning. And he's saying, the grace of God comes upon all who love Jesus with an undying love. And I'm asking myself, do I really love him that way? Do I love Christ with an unstoppable, unceasing, unquenchable, incorruptible love? A love with all my heart all my mind, all my soul, all my strength. Do I love him that way? Do I look back on my life and say, I used to love him more. 
I used to love him differently. I've lost that love. I had it first. <clears throat> what about you? Do you love Christ with an undying love? Do you love Christ so that there is nothing, no one, that is more important to you than him? Everything in this life wars against our ability to love God in this way. And the question we have to ask ourselves, do we love Christ with an undying love?